Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, and insert something clever here about my co-host, Katie. Well, you you reached pretty far for that one, didn't you? Yesterday was a really long day. That is all that I got. I'm going with it. Well, all right. Let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Last week, we covered the second half of Chapter 9, The Woes of Mrs. Weasley, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Harry holds back the green-eyed monster of jealousy by reminding himself he's being a dick. Ron gets his prefect present, and we discover that nothing can separate a boy and his broomstick. The twins do some sketchy dealings with Mundungus Fletcher. Mad-Eye Moody has everyone wondering what a boggart really looks like. And Molly shows us that even the toughest moms can crumble when faced with their worst fears. But luckily, she has a badass support system around her to save the day. During episode 133, Inconstant Unvigilance, or Lord Lover, depending on whether or not your favorite podcast platform properly updated the name change after I realized Dildo got censored out of the original title, Lord Dildo Lover. Our Potter pondering was, what do you think a Bogart would turn into for you and what do you think Mad-Eye Moody's Bogart would be? Hello, this is Dave. My Bogart would be a hamburger with lots of onions on it when I specifically ask for no onions whatsoever. As far as if Moody can see a Bogart or what he sees when he looks at one, I think that they are correct in saying that nobody has ever seen one that wasn't transformed into something else. So I imagine that if it's in a container of some sort, that it would be in the shape of whatever it was that the last person saw, or perhaps they can change shape at will, and they can you know, be something small to fit in a drawer or something. But I think that when Moody sees it, he sees that object, whatever shape it's in, but then there's some kind of aura or glow around it or something that it's Bogart magic uh, expels that Moody's eye can see. And so that's what I think he sees, that. Yeah, that's how I know it's a Bogart. Okay, bye. Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. What would mine and Mad-Eye's Bogart be? Well... This is a dark one. As a mother and a nurse in my career, I have seen a lot of, oh, this could never happen to me, happen to people out of nowhere to completely destroying their lives with little to no hope for a good prognosis. And that would be my bogart. Ashley sitting there in some debilitative medical condition that I couldn't do anything about and I couldn't take care of my kids. Are we going to make that funny? Don't fucking know. Somebody help me. Mad-Eye? I'm going to have to say him probably having some lucid moments at the bottom of that trunk, staring up at his own damn face, confused as fuck. Like, that had to be a really dark moment for Mad-Eye. And again, 
How the fuck we gonna make this funny? I can't think of it. Help me here. Hey Ellen, hey Katie, Jackson here. Got this week's pot of pondering. So what would a bucket turn into for me? I'm the same as Ron. It'd be a great big fucking hairy spider. Yeah. And to make it funny, no idea what the hell I'd do. <laughs> as for Moody, I would just say any one of his enemies managing to get behind his back, you know, get the drop on him. That was always his greatest fear. I mean, you saw how paranoid he became. Yeah, that just makes sense to me. Someone getting the drop on him. Any one of the enemies he made as an aura. Hi, this is Kendra. So what do I think my Bogart would turn into? Well, I have this fear of sharks. It's like my only big fear. So I'm going to assume it would turn into a shark. And then I know you didn't ask, but if I were to cast Ridiculous upon it, it is going to lose its teeth and be like an old grandpa shark, you know, gummy teeth. And then what do I think Moody's Bogart is? That one is a hard one because, I mean, he's rightly paranoid about so many things. But for some reason, when I think of the answer to this question, I just get a picture of him putting a wand in his back pocket and accidentally blowing his buttocks off. I mean, can a Bogart turn into you doing something stupid? (laughs) Anyways, if so, that would be Moody's Bogart. All right, bye. Hey guys, from Michaela. Here's my pot of pondering for this week. So for the first question, I definitely think a bogger would turn into, for me, either a giant snake or a giant spider. <sighs> Those things just give me the creeps. You wouldn't believe this. And for Moody, possibly one of his enemies? I mean, he has made a lot of them being an aura, I guess. So, yeah. Okay, thanks, bye. Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, who did not report for guard duty to take Harry to King's Cross Station? The answer is Sturgis Podmore. Moody also mentioned that he hasn't returned his good invisibility cloak, so I wonder what's going on with him. Yeah. Hmm. But congratulations goes to Quincy Tyree. We are super excited to see him come out of retirement. Mm -hmm. Could this be the start of a new streak? We shall see. For now, let's just keep rolling into the first half of Chapter 10, Luna Lovegood, and the sort of, but not really corresponding film scenes. Chapter 10, Luna Lovegood, Part 1. Harry doesn't sleep well that night due to dreams featuring his parents... Mrs. Weasley sobbing over Creature's dead body, watched by Ron and Hermione, who are wearing crowns, and ending with himself walking down a corridor, ending in a locked door. When he wakes up, he finds Ron already awake and dressed, telling him he better hurry, since his mom is going ballistic, worrying that they're going to miss the train. He can hear all the commotion as he dresses at top speed, and gathers that Fred and George nearly killed Ginny when they bewitched their trunks to carry themselves down the stairs and knocked her down two flights. Mrs. Weasley's yelling also caused Mrs. Black's portrait to start screaming as well, and Hermione hurries into the room looking flustered by all the to-do. 
Hedwig flies to perch on top of her cage as Hermione explains that her parents just returned the owl and then asks if Harry is ready. Harry says nearly and asks if Ginny is all right. Hermione tells him that Mrs. Weasley patched her up, but now Mad-Eye is saying they can't leave unless Sturgis Podmore gets there or else the guard is short one. Harry is annoyed that he has to go to King's Cross with a guard, but he doesn't have much time to complain since Mrs. Weasley begins bellowing up the stairs for them to get down there now. Hermione jumps and scurries out of the room and Harry stuffs Hedwig in her cage and follows after her, dragging his trunk. No one is bothering to silence the portrait, so Mrs. Weasley is just shouting over the din to let Harry know he's supposed to go with her and Tonks and to leave his trunk and owl with Alistair. She is briefly distracted by Sirius appearing in dog form, since Dumbledore told him no, but decides against arguing with him about it. She pulls open the front door and leads Harry up the street where they meet with an old woman who was actually Tonks in disguise. She tells Molly that they better hurry, and Mrs. Weasley moans that she knows complaining about Mad-Eye wanting to wait for Sturgis and having to travel without magic. She cuts herself off to purse her lips at the black dog gambling around them, chasing his tail and snapping at pigeons. After 20 minutes, they reach the station with nothing eventful happening and casually cross through the barrier between platforms 9 and 10, where they find the Hogwarts Express ready and waiting. Mrs. Weasley anxiously hopes that the others make it in time and is relieved when she sees Moody arriving with the luggage. Seconds later, Mr. Weasley makes it there with Ron and Hermione, closely followed by Lupin with Fred, George, and Ginny. Moody confirms that there weren't any issues, but then states that he's going to report Sturgis to Dumbledore for missing his second duty that week. They all begin saying their goodbyes, and the train whistles. Mrs. Weasley hurries them on, telling them to write, and that they will send along anything they forgot. For a brief moment, the big black dog stands on his hind legs and puts his paws on Harry's shoulders, but Mrs. Weasley shoves Harry towards the train and hisses at Sirius to act more like a dog. Harry calls out the window at them as the train begins to move, and Sirius runs alongside the train for a while, causing people on the platform to laugh. Hermione is worried that he came, but Ron tells her to lighten up since the poor bloke hasn't seen daylight for months. Fred claps his hands and announces that they have business to discuss with Lee before they disappear down the corridor. The train continues to gather speed, and Harry suggests that he, Ron, and Hermione go find a compartment. Ron and Hermione exchange glances and awkwardly explain that they're supposed to go to the prefix carriage. Harry says fine, and Hermione quickly adds that she doesn't think they have to stay there the whole journey, and Harry again says fine, he might see them later then. Ron says definitely and anxiously tells Harry that it's a pain to go down there and insists that he is not Percy and isn't enjoying it. Harry grins and says that he knows he's not, but still feels a sense of loss as he watches them walk away. Ginny tells Harry to get a move on so they can save them seats too, and they struggle down the corridor to the last carriage, where they find Neville Longbottom panting from the effort of lugging around his trunk and holding onto his toad, Trevor. He greets them and informs them that everywhere is full, but Ginny pushes past him saying there's room in that compartment since only Looney Lovegood is in there. Neville mutters that he doesn't want to disturb anyone, but Ginny insists that she's alright and opens the door. She asks Luna if it's okay for them to take the seats. A girl with straggly, waist-length, dirty blonde hair and bulging eyes that give her a permanently surprised look glances up and nods. 
They drag their trunks in and get settled as Luna watches them over her copy of a magazine called The Quibbler, which she is reading upside down. She stares at Harry as he sits across from her, and when Ginny asks her how her summer was, she answers without taking her eyes off him, calling it quite enjoyable, but then telling Harry that he is Harry Potter. He says that he knows, and Neville chuckles, drawing Luna's attention towards him. She tells him that she doesn't know who he is, and he hurriedly tells her that he's no one. Ginny sharply corrects him and introduces the two, explaining that Luna is in her year, but a Ravenclaw student. In response, Luna sings Wit Beyond Measure as Man's Greatest Treasure, and then returns to her upside-down magazine while Harry and Neville exchange looks, and Ginny suppresses a giggle. As the train rattles on, Neville shares his birthday present, which looks like a small gray cactus in a pot, though it's covered in boils rather than spines. He says it's called a Mimulus Mimbletonia, and that his great-uncle Algie got it for him in Assyria. When Harry asks if it does anything, Neville tells him to hold Trevor and grabs a quill from his school bag. He jabs the plant with the quill and a thick, stinky, dark green liquid squirts from every boil on it, covering them all. Neville apologizes and reassures Harry that stink sap isn't poisonous as he spits out a mouthful on the floor. To make matters worse, at that precise moment, their compartment door slides open and Cho Chang looks in to say hi. After exchanging brief, awkward hellos, she closes the door again and leaves. Harry slumps into his seat and groans over Cho finding him with Neville and Looney Lovegood, clutching a toad and covered in stink sap. Ginny says never mind and pulls out her wand, casting Scourgeify to vanish the stink sap. The movie section starts out at King's Cross Station with Mad-Eye Moody limping across the bridge above the train tracks with the aid of a walking stick. The camera then cuts to a shaggy black dog happily running past Harry, who is a few paces behind Mad-Eye and Tonks and right in front of the rest of the Weasleys. As the dog trots on, Mad-Eye calls him Padfoot and asks if he is barking mad, telling him that he is going to blow the entire operation. The dog makes his way down the stairs at the end of the bridge and goes through a door labeled Waiting Room. The windows to the room are frosted, but the dog's silhouette can be seen as it transforms into a man. Harry jumps down from the steps and hurries through the door, asking Sirius what he is doing there, worried that someone might see him. Sirius holds a long black fur coat closed around himself and tells him that he had to see him off and asks what life is without a little risk. Harry walks towards him and the two sit down on the plastic chairs arranged around the room. Harry is still worried and tells his godfather that he doesn't want to see him get chucked back at Azkaban, but Sirius just tells Harry not to worry about him and then reaches into his pocket pulling out a folded piece of paper, telling him he wants him to have it. Harry takes the paper from him and unfolds it, finding a group picture that Sirius says is the original Order of the Phoenix. He points out several people included in the picture and shares their fates, including Neville Longbottom's parents, Frank and Alice, saying that they suffered a fate worse than death. Sirius says that it has been 14 years, but still a day doesn't go by that he doesn't miss Harry's dad. The camera focuses on their pictures within the moving photograph, then switches back to Harry, who solemnly asks his godfather if he really thinks there's going to be a war. Equally somber, Sirius nods his head and acknowledges that it feels like it did before. Harry tries to hand the photo back to him, but he tells him to keep it, commenting on how they are the young ones now. Harry gives Sirius a small smile, and the scene transitions with the whistle of the train. 
The scene takes on a bluish tint and is partially obscured by steam coming from the train, which is also emitting a hissing sound that blends in with the general chatter. Harry is now walking through a crowd alongside the Hogwarts Express and pauses as he sees Voldemort standing before him in an entirely black three-piece suit. The dark wizard creepily tilts his head to the side as all the background noise slows and goes quiet, leaving only the whisper of parcel tongue to fill the silence. As Voldemort looks directly at Harry, the scene shifts again, showing Harry waking from a doze against the window in the train car. It's pretty amazing to me how we call these corresponding film scenes. Yeah. And it's not that they don't correspond, because they do, but only in the sense that they're now on their way to Hogwarts. Yeah. It's a very loose definition of correspond. And Sirius does come along as a dog. Mm Mm-hmm. But then everything else is just completely different. Yeah, we're throwing in things from past chapters. We're just completely getting rid of most of the things from this chapter. Yeah. Again, very loose definition. Right. And honestly, my big complaint here is that it felt very abrupt to go straight from the trial to Hogwarts train. Yeah. It did. Like, there was no... No transition whatsoever. There wasn't even, like, a celebration that he was cleared of all charges. It was just like, trial's over, going back to Hogwarts, that's it. Yeah. And I don't like that. No. Because it could have been a 30-second scene. Mm Mm-hmm. I also don't like the fact that we didn't get any of the chaos of leaving. Like, we kept calling it, like, the Home Alone chaos. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But because of the party they had the night before celebrating ron and hermione becoming prefects Mm -hmm. and all of the issue with mrs weasley and the boggarts harry does not sleep well that night no he's having bad dreams because of the seeing the picture of you know his parents and all of the other order members that died or were tortured Mm -hmm. and then mrs weasley's sobbing the like boggarts, losing her shit yeah. with the boggart but his dreams kind of twisted around a little bit so he's actually watching mrs weasley sob over creature's dead body <laughs> and then ron and hermione are watching this wearing crowns <laughs> so it's like taking everything that's been weighing on him and just weaving it all into one fucked up dream in a very weird yeah the mind is a fucked up place yeah if there's one thing i've learned in my time it's that the mind will fuck you up yeah. And Harry's is already fucked up. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, you're just asking for trouble there. <laughs> <laughs> but the dream itself ends in this reoccurring dream that he's been having all summer mm-hmm. where he's just walking down that corridor that ends in a locked door. Yeah. And obviously we're going to end up finding more about that. But this is now at least the second time it's been mentioned. Yeah. In the book. In the book. <laughs> it was never even mentioned in the movie. No, not so much. They did something with the dream but i mean it's let's face it it's not the same it is not it's different and we'll get there yes but he actually wakes up from his bad dreams and ron's already awake and dressed which has got to be super weird because normally it's the other way around that harry's yeah. waking up and ron's still sleeping right yeah that's got to throw him for a loop man mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like wait a minute this is backwards weird but he must have really needed that sleep oh, because yeah. of all of his dreams so to sleep in a little bit for sure But Mrs. Weasley is just losing her mind because she's worried they're going to miss the train. Yeah, but she's got, you know, four kids running around. Well, five, including Harry. Six, including her money. Right. She's got six kids (laughs) running around. All need to get on a train. Pack all their shit. Pack all their shit. Yeah. You know, most of them 
have no idea where something is and it's mom can you help me find this mom where's this uh-huh. and then on top of that you got fred and george who are now <sighs> legally of age and doing magic whenever they want including using it to bewitch their trunks to carry themselves down the stairs which actually ends in knocking Ginny down two flights of stairs yeah and harry learns about this mostly through the screaming <laughs> he like listens into what's going on in mrs weasley's very loud rant mm-hmm. and gathers that this is what has happened to Ginny. so then when hermione shows up like trying to escape from all of the noise because of course mrs weasley's screaming has also woken mrs black of course so it's very loud and hermione escapes into harry and ron's room and is just like oh my god it's crazy out there are you ready we have to go we have to get out of this this all is right nuts. <laughs> can we please leave now And she's also returning Hedwig because she's back from delivering the news to her parents. Mm -hmm. So she's like, oh, my God. And Harry's just like, yeah, I'm almost ready. Is Ginny okay?" (laughs) (laughs) She's like, she's fine. Mrs. Weasley patched her up. And you're like, man, I wonder what she looked like. I wonder what she looked like. But you know what? Mrs. Weasley, that's that's just got to be like breathing to her. Right. Is like is like curing. Especially with Fred and George. With Fred and George around, Charlie and Bill probably got into a whole lot of shenanigans. You know that they were jumping off of things and breaking bones and playing Quidditch and Mrs. Weasley's damn near a healer at this point. Right. (laughs) Aren't all moms? Well, yeah. We fix boo-boos with kisses. She fixes hers with wands. Wand kisses. I wish I had a wand. (laughs) (laughs) Wand kisses. (laughs) But yeah, so Jenny's all right. And Hermione's like, but now our biggest issue is that Moody won't let us leave because Sturgis Podmore hasn't shown up yet. Which was our trivia question. Yeah, it kind of gets mentioned three different times at Mm -hmm. this point that he does not show up. Yeah. I wonder if that's important. Maybe. But they're all worried about the guard being one short. And I think that's adding to the chaos as well, because literally each member of the order is taking a different child or cluster of children separately to get to the same place because they don't want to be super conspicuous. Well, you know, you don't put the vice president and the president in the same plane. Exactly. You know, that's Air Force One and Air Force Two. That's how you do it. But yeah, so... They're worried about the guard being short one. And Harry's just like, why do we need a guard? And Hermione's like, well, you need the guard. Yeah. And he's like, why do I need a guard? Like, who's really going to mess with me? I don't know. Maybe Lord Voldemort. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) He's not going to come out in the open and do this. But he doesn't really have the time to complain about having the guard because (laughs) Mrs. Weasley starts screaming up the stairs for them to get down there now. Or they're going to be late. And so, like, Hermione scurries out and Harry stuffs Hedwig in her cage, just, like, unceremoniously lets go and just drags her in the trunk (laughs) after Hermione. And nobody's bothering to quiet Mrs. Black. So it's just screaming. And Mrs. Weasley's just yelling over all of that. And she's just like, you're going with me and talks? (laughs) Leave your trunk and owl with Alistair. He's going to deal with the luggage. You're coming with me now. Let's go. And she just, like starts to drag him out of the house but Sirius pops up in dog form and she's just like Dumbledore said no and the dog just like (laughs) wags his tail and she's like whatever I'm not gonna argue with him and Sirius no Sirius yes exactly (laughs) so they head out the door up the street and they end up meeting up with this old woman with short curly gray hair that is actually Tonks in disguise Mm -hmm. she's like what's your Harry (laughs) 
And I am so bummed that we did not get more Tonks and disguises. Oh, we got we got so screwed mm-hmm. out of Tonks. Like I'm so upset at how dirty the movies did Tonks because I like I have been convinced that I just don't like Tonks for a very long time. And then I have to remind myself, no, I don't like movie Tonks. I can say that about a few movie characters. Well, yes. It's just her potential wasn't reached in the movies at all. It's not even that I dislike movie Tonks. I dislike the fact that we weren't given enough proper movie Tonks. Yeah. She was just a background character. Yeah. She was... It was disappointing. Insignificant, and she was just there. Right. She had color-changing hair, and that was about it. Tied to her emotions, not her yeah. abilities. Right? And it was never explained, and it was just, you're not Tonks. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. We've talked about this before, but Natalia Tana, who played Tonks, could have brilliantly done that. Oh, yeah. She would have been great. She's fucking amazing, but... If they gave her Tonks. They didn't give her Tonks. Some bullshit, really. But... I digress. Right. That was, sorry, that was a little ranty. But yeah, so they get to Tonks in Disguise in the street corner and then they walk them the rest of the way to the train station because they are in London already. So it's not even like it's a long travel to get there. Yeah. So I don't know if they're like leaving at staggered times or I have like, I have no idea why the separation they did the way they did. Yeah, it doesn't quite make sense, especially because, I mean, they're all going to sit on the train in the same spot. They're all going to sit together in the compartment. I mean, obviously, it was about getting Harry there safely without alerting attention of possible Death Eaters. But I don't see how Tonks having gray curly hair. I mean, I guess maybe she doesn't want to be seen with Harry. That could be suspicious for her job. I guess. But at the same time, why not disguise Harry? Right. And Tonks is just like... We have to hurry. Like, we're going to be late. Mrs. Yeah. Is like, I know, I know. But Matt, I wanted to wait for Sturgis. And we have to travel without magic. And it takes all this extra time. And, and you know what? You try wrangling six teenagers. Yeah. There's that, too. Shit ain't easy. <laughs> but she actually kind of cuts herself off of that rant. Because for Harry's amusement, Sirius starts running in circles in dog form. Chasing his own tail and snapping at pigeons. And just being a dog. But... He's actually a person, so... He's gotta be... This is the first time he's been outside in oh, how yeah. long? I mean... It was like me at Home Depot dancing. <laughs> <laughs> but Harry's laughing at this, and Mrs. Weasley's just, like, pursing her lips. Like, he's yeah. not supposed to come. So she kind of gets distracted from her complaints about Mad-Eye making them late, and... Yeah. Serious, you're a bad dog. Serious, good dog. Good dog. <laughs> Serious treats? Serious, <laughs> best boy. But they only have about a 20-minute walk. It's not horrible. Yeah. Because they're in London already, so they just walk about 20 minutes to mm-hmm. get to the station, and nothing happens at all. It is an uneventful trip other than, you know, serious chasing after some cats or something. Sure. <laughs> like he does. Right. Well, like Snuffles does. Like, yeah. <laughs> we don't know what Sirius does when he's in human form. Good point. But they get to King's Cross Station, they go through the barrier between platforms 9 and 10, and bam, there is the Hogwarts Express, ready and waiting. (laughs) This is basically where the movie starts. I feel like that's even a very loose term of the word basically. Yes. 
It's a very loose term of the word movie. It's a very loose term of the <laughs> word starts. <laughs> it's a lot of things. It's a very loose term of Harry Potter. <laughs> it's, yes, that it is. Sort of. So yeah, the details, quite a bit different, let's yeah. say. Yep, yep. I, I think that's a nice way of putting it, yeah. It comes in already at King's Cross Station with the two most inconspicuous wizards in the world, you know, the crazy one with the batshit eyeball and the one whose hair changes with her mood. I think you mean conspicuous. No, it was sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Ah, you see what I did there? I did a thing, yeah. But they're escorting Harry and all 7,000 Weasleys to the train because we don't separate them at all, you know. Which, hey, good call. Sure, why not? I'm not sure why separating them in the book was ultimately necessary, but... I don't think it was, but... Better safe than sorry, I guess. Dumbledore knows best. Usually. Yeah. We then see a shaggy black dog rudely cut in front of all of them, like a loose dog in a public place is a good idea. Right, but that is as close as we come to a ding. Yeah. It's a half ding. It's a bark. (laughs) (laughs) It's a woof. It's a dog whistle. (laughs) (laughs) And then after that, pretty much nothing is the same. Yep. Not a goddamn thing. In the book... Mrs. Weasley, as they were the first ones to get there, is just like, I hope everyone else makes it. And Moody then shows up with all of the luggage. And she's like, oh, thank God. And like seconds later, Mr. Weasley shows up with Ron and Hermione. Mm -hmm. And then closely are followed by Lupin with Fred, George, and Ginny. So I'm like, if they all show up that quickly together. What was the point? Why? Yeah. Did they walk different ways? Did they just be like, okay, you leave now. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We're we're going to count to ten. You and then we're going to go. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It seems unnecessary, but. Yeah. Again, like I said, if you're really looking to throw someone off, change the appearance of the kids. Right. I know they needed to keep Harry protected, and maybe they figured wherever the Weasleys were, Harry would be too, or. But I mean, he already was. Like, yeah. It's so not it, like they were that far behind. Them. He was with Mrs. Weasley. Like, I don't know what. It doesn't really make sense. Yeah. It just seems like a lot of words for they went to the station. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I kind of wonder what our keepers think about them separating in the book. Yeah. What they think the purpose of that really was. If maybe they have a logical reason that it served that we're just overlooking. So maybe that could be our Potter pondering. Help us out, guys. Do our job for us, please. Again, we'll talk about this in about six or seven years when we get to Deathly Hollows. I understand the separation and the thing with the seven Harrys and all that. I get that, but this just seems ridiculous yeah so anyway they all get there basically Mm -hmm. the same time anyway despite Mm. going separately yeah and moody's just like no issues well duh no shit yeah (laughs) and then he's just like but i'm gonna be reporting sturgis to dumbledore for missing his second duty that week (laughs) you said duty but that was also once again our trivia question this week Though Sturgis Podmore wasn't even a thing in the movie at all, so. Like, not even a little bit. Yeah. Sturgis who? And then the train platform scene in the book was significantly shorter than the one in the movie because it's literally like, they get there and they were all in this rush. So it's just like, okay, bye. If you've got anything, we'll Mm -hmm. send it to you. And Sirius has this moment where he stands up on his hind legs and puts his paws on Harry's (laughs) shoulder. And Mrs. Weasley literally shoves Harry away from him towards the train and is just like, act like a dog, Sirius. (laughs) And I would have loved to see that part. Yeah. It would have been... Be 
could have done that. Even with the way they did have it, that could have happened it at could've. some point. Instead of the weird whatever, we're getting we're there. We're getting there. <laughs> but they get on the train and Harry's standing at the window right by the door. I imagine it is because they're not in a compartment yet. Mm -hmm. And he just like yells out the window saying bye. And the train starts moving. And Sirius is just running alongside the train. <laughs> Everybody's just laughing at this dog running along next to the train mm -hmm. because most people have no idea. Right. I say most because we'll get to that. Yeah. But most people just think Harry has a cool dog. Right. That likes to chase trains apparently or doesn't want to say bye to his person. I feel like it's all dogs. True story. Just saying. And so, like I said, the people on the platform are laughing, but Hermione is just like, he should not have come. Like, this mm -hmm. was a terrible idea. And Ron's just like, oh, lighten up. The poor bloke hasn't seen daylight for months. And yeah. I see Hermione's point. It could have gone very badly. However, you got to feel for Sirius. You do. And I get it. But it kind of did go a little well, badly. Which we're we'll get there. to. We're getting there. Yeah. And no matter what, none of that happened in the movie at all. Not so. <laughs> a lick of it. No. And it's crazy, too, because more often than not, you see them shortening the book chapter sections. Mm -hmm. This they actually extended the section because they changed it so much. Yeah. So instead, they had the dog keep walking as Mad-Eye Moody calls him Padfoot because fuck code names right i mean i guess that's kind of a code name but i mean it's a code name but it's a code name people know ish not in the movie there's that too but moody then goes on to ask if he's barking mad without even so much as a smirk like seriously how do you make that pun and not acknowledge it barking mad right come on that moody. was on purpose moody has a sense of humor too damn it let him let him be punny right let him know that he's punny come on he knows he did it on purpose yeah it was written that way on purpose mm-hmm but you have to at least do the Muppet face after you make a pun like that. Wah, wah. Are you barking mad? <laughs> ah! <laughs> I see what you did there. You see what I did? You uh, see what I did? Uh, 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 barking uh, mad? Barking mad. No. Tongs. Tongs. Nothing. Just Not even an eye roll from somebody else. No, nothing. Maybe his eye rolled. Maybe his mad eye rolled <laughs> into the back sure. of his head. Like, it's just constantly rolling. <laughs> Speaking of rolling, let's just keep rolling. Let's just keep rolling. As a side note, though, this is the first time that Sirius has called Padfoot in the movies, like we were saying. And therefore, also the first time he's tied to the Marauder's map in the movies. Right, because they didn't do that in the third movie. So it's just like, randomly, he's getting called Padfoot. And anybody who read the books already knows why he's yeah. calling him that. But in the movies, this is the first time, and you're just like, huh? Yeah. If you remember two movies ago when he said Messrs. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs, oh, wait, Padfoot? Dun-dun-dun! <laughs> Click! <laughs> yeah, because the Marauder's Map was never fucking actually explained in the movie. Nope. And the only other one who is called by his Marauder name is Wormtail. Pretty consistently as well. Yeah. They never call James Prongs. They never call Lupin Mooney. The closest they got with James, though, is the fact that his Patronus was the stag. The stag. And with Lupin, the fact that he's a he's werewolf. He's a werewolf. But still, it would have taken you barely any time to explain that story to Harry in the movie. And then everybody watching it would understand why they keep calling Pettigrew Wormtail. Because even Voldemort calls him Wormtail. Yeah. Yeah, it makes zero sense. And the fact that that whole last scene in Prisoner of Azkaban with Lupin in the movie was with Lupin. It was 
originally with Dumbledore in the book. He could have told him then. Could have told him right then. That would not have taken any extra time. Aside from to say like back to him. Yeah. Aside from to say like, by the way, me and your dad and Sirius Black made this. And And you know, who we don't want to talk about. Yeah. (laughs) He who can kiss my ass. (laughs) (laughs) We made this and that's a thing. But no, they never touched on it at all. So when Moody calls Sirius Padfoot in the movie, you're just like, that's a weird Mm -hmm. name. You know, it just seems very odd. But moving on. The dog then makes his way down the center of the stairs because, as previously mentioned, he's rude as fuck. And we've completely given up on the whole stand to the left, walk to the right kind of deal or, you know, whatever. So fuck the stairs. (laughs) But at the bottom of the stairs is a waiting room that he goes into and we see his silhouetted transformation back into a man. A man. A man. Oh, he's just such a man. Oh, master. Oh, master. Side note, I really hope that he at least looked around to make sure that that room was empty before he transformed. It didn't look like his silhouette did. It did not look like that. It looks like he just literally walked in and turned into a man. A man. And that's all well and good, but it would have been funny if there was like a family in there with kids and they all just looked up at him like, the fuck just happened? Serious black! (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But Harry comes bounding down the steps after Sirius and follows him into the waiting room asking what the hell he's doing because someone might see him and then the shit will really hit the fan. Yeah. And Sirius just pulls the long fur coat that he scored at a Weird Sisters concert around him in order to cover all his bits because I'm assuming that's all that transformed with him and he's just naked underneath. Right. I don't even understand where the fur coat came from. I mean, I love your scored at a Weird Sisters (laughs) concert bit here, but... Why? Yeah. And please explain to me, because when Pettigrew was a rat and they turned him into it a lo- person, he lost he all his clothes. clothes. He and when clothes. he turned back into a rat, he, he lost, lost the clothes, clothes behind. So come on. Movie. Get your shit together. I mean, this wouldn't be so difficult to you explain. Think. It just wouldn't. Had they simply had Pettigrew's clothes transform with him when he went back into a rat, this could have all been avoided. Honestly, because then you're just like, oh, yeah, clothes transform with you. Cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Great. So that means that Sirius legit just got dressed in a weird furry coat (laughs) before he transformed into Padfoot and was like, cool, this is fine. Okay. Doesn't make any sense. Like we literally see it transform with him when the silhouette comes. You see the coat like drop down a bit. But at the I just... That doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense. Plus, when he transformed from a dog into a person... Mm-hmm. in Prisoner of Azkaban, he was still in his Azkaban clothes. Yeah. And then when we saw him by the lake after he transferred back, transferred into, the back dog, into the dog, he, he did was not his... leave those clothes behind yeah, the way Pettigrew did. He still had the clothes on. So the fuck. Right. It doesn't make sense. That's all just movie fuckery, honestly. But anyway, this is entirely... We are totally... I am so sorry. Derailing this episode. It's fitting that we're at the Hogwarts Express then, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) But they both take a seat in those super comfy looking chairs and Harry tells Sirius that he doesn't want him to get tossed back in the pokey but his dog father just brushes him off like a good role model does and changes the subject by handing Harry a folded up piece of paper and saying he wants Harry to have it. Okay. Okay. Sure. It was totally necessary for him to follow him all the way to the train station to give him this piece of paper. Yes, because they haven't been stuck in the house together for months at this point. Well, they haven't because we've come right from the trial. The hearing was five minutes before. Very true. (laughs) 
So Harry unfolds it to see a moving group photo, which Sirius tells him is the original Order of the Phoenix. He points out Marlene McKinnon and Neville's parents, Frank and Alice, and shared their super cheery fates to really, you know, boost Harry's morale. Woo. These people are dead or worse than. Have a fun year at school. <laughs> and this is the closest that we get to the photograph scene with Mad-Eye Moody from the book last chapter. Mm -hmm. But like we were saying then, it is so much different. So much different. Because... Even though he does share some kind of horrible things about the people in this photo, it's minimized. Mm -hmm. And in the book, Harry was traumatized from this. Yeah, in this, it's not taken as a bad thing. It's not taken as an upsetting thing. This is like, oh, yay, a picture of my parents and the original order. Yay, How this neat. is so nice. But in this sense, it wasn't even Moody giving it to him. No. It focused more on, yes, it was kind of a bittersweet moment, mm -hmm. but it focused more on like that, the relationship that it gave Harry and Sirius because of their love for the parents that Harry didn't get to know and the ones that Sirius misses. Yeah, exactly. So Sirius starts reminiscing and he's just like, it's been 84 years. Oh, wait, I mean... 14 years but he still misses harry's dad every day which oh yeah like i said it's more of a sweet moment than a harry's like what the fuck moment yeah it's different coming from Sirius. it just is mm -hmm. but we then get a close-up of the marauders and lily along with dumbledore the drummer from leonard skinner and the rest of the mamas and the papas before harry asks if shit really is about to go down and I mean, what do you say to that? Why do you even ask that, though? Like, you already saw him murder somebody. You saw all of the Death Eaters that came back. Yeah. Do you think that shit's not about to go down, Harry? Really? Right. Do you need Sirius to spell it out for you? Apparently, Apparently movie Harry does. <laughs> Apparently, he does. Yeah. And Sirius just nods and he says it feels the same as it did last time. So that doesn't really bode well. So Even though in the book, they were just saying that they're better off this time. Mm-hmm. So it shouldn't feel the same. Yeah, there's none of that. No. Harry tries to give the photo back to Sirius, and then Sirius tells him to keep it, saying that they're the young ones now. So, you know, sucks to be them. Like, it's not even like you're the young ones, and you have so many more things at your disposal, and, and you're so much better off. No, it's you're the young ones now. Good luck, fucker! <laughs> well, and I don't even get that line that much... To begin with, like, I guess you're the young ones now, so you should keep this picture? Yeah. What does that even it's... mean? It... I didn't like this scene that much. No. They tried to force a Harry serious moment. Yeah. And... Harry serious. Like, very serious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, episode title. I'm so funny. <laughs> I love you. But, yeah, it was a scene that... Not that we didn't have other moments to do good Harry serious moments. Oh, yeah. There were plenty of opportunities. They just didn't do any of them. Yeah. Like, hello, I would have much rather had the scene where Harry asks Sirius if he can live with him if he gets expelled right? than this bullshit. I mean, we get the conversation that they have over the tapestry, the black family tapestry, later on. Yeah, so we can't ask him to come live with him because he already was back at school. Yeah, and it wasn't the same bonding thing that it was. 
And it's like they were trying to give Sirius something profound to say, but it didn't even make sense with the story. Yeah. And the thing is, Sirius says a lot of profound things already. They didn't need to add something random like that in. Pick one of the profound things he actually said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Instead, they just make up this scene and it takes away from the fact that Harry is really looking forward to going back to Hogwarts. Yeah. Like he thought he wasn't going to get to go. Yeah, his life is anew at this point, honestly. He is actually on his way back now, and he's really looking forward to seeing Hagrid. He's really looking forward to playing Quidditch. Mm-hmm. He is so happy to be at King's Cross Station, to be on platform nine and three quarters. He's so happy for it that that's what we should have been focusing on. Oh, definitely. This is one of the few light moments that Harry got in the books. Yeah, it's one of those moments that as a reader, we needed We needed it because it gave us a little bit of lightheartedness Mm -hmm. that we don't get for the majority of the book because this is such a dark book. Yeah. And Harry was depressed and angry and moody for most of it. This Mm -hmm. was one of the few scenes where he was just happy. Yeah. Things were coming up, Harry. And they changed things around so that it became another emotional, deep, darker moment. Yeah. Yeah trying to force in some sort of bonding between Harry and his godfather in the most inappropriate location when there were plenty of opportunity to show that while they were still at Grimmauld Place. Yeah. Oh, and wait for what's coming up. (laughs) Because we then see Harry walking through the crowd of schoolmates and their loved ones on his way to the train. Like, they're all on the platform. That's what you do. Yeah. As the crowd parts, he sees this tall man standing further down the platform staring at him. And he gets a closer view as his LSD really kicks in. And we see that it's actually Voldy in an all-black three-piece suit. Okay. Why the fuck would Voldemort, who hates all things muggles, be wearing a black suit? Yeah. I hate to say this. It just didn't suit him. (laughs) I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) It just... It was weird. It was weird. It was exceptionally weird. He should have been in his creepy robes. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. You know, all black when you're that pale, you're just, you're washed out. Well, that's fine. I mean, he wore all black robes, but. Yeah, but those were robes and somehow that's different. It is. But he would not wear a suit. He just wouldn't do it. He wouldn't. Mm -mm. It looked like a bad Instagram filter. (laughs) That's what it looked like. Well, and I think it kind of was supposed to be filtered since. We end up finding out it's a dream. Yeah. Which kind of starts to become apparent when Voldy ramps up the creepiness by like craning his neck and tilting his head as everything around him slows and becomes distorted by whispered parcel tongue and steam. And there's just a lot going on. There's kind of a rattlesnake sound in the background. It's all sorts of things are happening. And he stares directly into Harry's soul. And the noise crescendos before Harry is suddenly jolted awake from his fever dream, safe and sound in a train compartment. See, and none of that happened in the book. No, it did not. It's like they were trying to get in the fact that Harry was having bad dreams. But that's such a weird way to do it. But like, first of all, Harry's fucking super excited to go to Hogwarts, as I've already mentioned. Why would he be sleeping on the train compartment when there's a shit ton of candy to eat? Mm hmm. Second of all... Second of all, the train hasn't even left. Ron and Hermione haven't even sat down yet. So 
how fast did he fall asleep? How long was he sitting there? Right. That does, it, none, none of this of it makes, makes sense. sense. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> but yeah, so that's where we're ending the movie section because... I mean, at this point, what the fuck does it matter? Well, but... <laughs> it's the closest we can get to a semi-even split mm -hmm. since we have barely corresponding sections. But the things that do correspond yeah. do have to line up with the parts of the chapter. So it's fun to try and figure out where to cut these and, and have things line up as best as possible. And then on top of that, the book chapter keeps going a little bit more. There's more details that mm -hmm. did not make it into the movie. Which, I mean, we're used to at this point, but still. And some of these are details I wouldn't really like to see. Yeah. Okay, this part's probably unnecessary because it's just Fred and George being like, well, we got to go meet up with Lee Jordan. We got some business to discuss and they just disappear. Mm -hmm. And so Harry's just like, which this blows my mind too, that they don't bother to get the kids actually sitting down in compartments before the train starts <laughs> right? moving. But I suppose if they had to wait for that, the train would never leave on time. True. But Harry's just like, well, let's go get a compartment. And Ron and Hermione are like, eh, we have to go to the prefix carriage. Yeah. And Harry's Awkward. just like, fine. <laughs> and Hermione's just like, don't worry. We don't have to stay there the whole journey. I'm sure we can meet up with you later. And he's just like, fine. <laughs> See you later then. Oh, calm down, Eeyore. <laughs> and Ron's just like, yeah, definitely. We're going to come find you later. Mm -hmm. And then he's just like. It really is a pain to have to do all of this. I'm I'm not Percy. I'm not enjoying it. And Harry actually <laughs> smiles and he's like, I know you're not. So like, yeah. it's fine. But he still feels this like sense of loss because he's never ridden on the Hogwarts Express without Ron. Yeah. Even when he's he wasn't on the Hogwarts Express, he was in the car with mm -hmm. Ron. Like He's always had Ron for the journey. Yeah, and now he's looking at going into this journey without his best friend right by his side, and it's kind of weird for him, but yeah. Ginny's just like, come on, let's just go. We'll find a compartment so we can save them seats too. Mm -hmm. And they make their way all the way down to the very last carriage because all of the other ones are filled. Mm -hmm. struggling with their trunks and they end up running into Neville who is also struggling with his trunk because he's trying to stop Trevor from escaping as per usual. And he's Neville. And he's Neville. So that. <laughs> and Neville's just like hanging out in the corridor in front of the last carriage. And he's just like, everywhere's full. And Jenny's just like, what do you mean? This one has plenty of room. And he's just like, I didn't want to disturb anybody. And she's just like, it's just Looney Lovegood. She's fine. Yeah. It's okay. Like, she's mm -hmm. cool. And she opens the door and he's like, hey, Luna, you mind if we sit here? And this girl just looks up at her. Huge eyes. Bulging eyes. Bulging eyes. Mm -hmm. Dark blonde, like dirty blonde, straggly long hair. Probably looks like it needs to be brushed. Mm -hmm. But it goes all the way down to her waist. She looks permanently surprised because of those bulging eyes. And she just looks up and nods. Doesn't say anything, just nods. Mm -hmm. And then she makes note of Harry as he's dragging his trunk in. And he ends up sitting right across from Luna, which she's starting to regret because she just keeps on staring at him <laughs> with those permanently surprised eyes. That can be a little disconcerting, I'll tell you. Right? <laughs> and then Ginny's like, hey, how was your summer? And Luna's like, oh, it's quite good enjoyable still staring at harry the whole time mm -hmm. and then she just goes you're harry potter why yes and harry was yes, just I like am. i know <laughs> <laughs> and this actually makes neville laugh too mm -hmm. which then draws luna's attention to neville and she's just like i don't know who you are <laughs> and neville's just like oh god she looked at me i'm no one i'm no one yeah. and Ginny, and i love Ginny for this 
she was just like, stop that. <laughs> you are never long bottom. You are awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. You are not nobody. Because she's badass. Because she's badass. And then she introduces Luna officially like this is luna lovegood she's in my year but a ravenclaw and then luna's just like would be on measure is men's greatest treasure oh luna and then just returns to her magazine which she's reading upside down sure and harry and neville are just like what just happened and Ginny <laughs> is just trying really hard not to giggle so i think she still finds luna a little bit weird well yeah but she's she's off but polite about it she likes her i like this image which we do kind of get it later on in the movie scene Mm -hmm. but this was nice in the book because it front-loaded her oddities Mm -hmm. whereas the way they do it in the film which we'll talk more about when we get to that point because we actually won't meet her until the second half which we'll do next week yeah but it kind of front-loaded her oddities so that when we talk to her again later on her comment makes more sense. Yeah. And is how it doesn't make sense. Yeah. You understand Luna better. Yes. That way, yes. Whereas we don't really get to meet her. She just kind of looks strange and is holding a magazine upside down. And like I said, we'll talk about that more when we get to that actual point. Yes. But we kind of got bilked out of the fun little meet Luna. Meet Luna, yeah. Just have a couple encounters with her. Mm -hmm. And then we also get to see her interact with Neville and see her later interact with Ron and Hermione. And Mm -hmm. it's just all a lot more fun than what we do end up getting. Than what we do end up getting, even though the second half of this corresponds a little bit better. Mm -hmm. The last few things that happened in this section before we cut off the book chapter is that Neville shares his birthday present with him that he's super excited for. His great uncle Algy got him a special plant from Assyria that's called Mimbulus Mimbletonia. And it basically looks like a little gray cactus, except instead of spikes, it has boils. That's pretty gross. Yeah. And Harry's just like, does it do anything? (laughs) And Neville's just like, oh, yeah, it does loads of things. Here, hold Trevor. And he just grabs a quill from his school bag and pokes the poor little cactus thing, (laughs) which does not like being poked because it proceeds to spray them all with this thick, stinky, dark green liquid. Ew. And Harry's trying to stop the toad from escaping, so he can't even block his face and just gets a full face full of it. And Luna was able to kind of hide behind her magazine a little bit, so she didn't get it as badly. Didn't get a full blast. And Ginny managed to cover her face with her arms because she wasn't holding onto a toad, so she was just wearing, (laughs) like, a slamy green helmet, basically. (laughs) And Neville's just like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And then Harry, like, spits out a mouthful of this green, disgusting shit. And Neville's just like, don't worry. Stink sap's not poisonous. That's a good thing to know. Right? After the fact. Yeah. My question, though, what did he think it was going to do? <laughs> what exactly were you going for there, He Neville? was just like, oh, I've never tried that before. <laughs> he obviously knows what stink sap is. Yeah. But maybe he didn't expect it to spray out as just violently as maybe. it did. That's what she said. Uh, Anywho... As if all of this is not awkward enough. What could make this worse? Harry's crush shows up. Of course she does. And it's the one time that he sees Cho Chang and doesn't go, Cho Chang! (laughs) (laughs) He sees her and he's literally covered. Face, hair, everything. Covered (laughs) 
in stink sap, clutching a toad, sitting with Neville Longbottom, Looney Lovegood, who Mm -hmm. Cho Chang absolutely would know as she is also in Ravenclaw, and his best friend's little sister. And Harry's just like, why couldn't I have been sitting with somebody cool? (laughs) And why didn't she look in right after I'd made a joke and was making all my cool friends laugh because I'm so (laughs) cool and funny? No, she has to come in and say hi to me when I'm covered in stink sap. This is so embarrassing. And Cho Chang's just like, hi. I just wanted to say hi. And Harry's just like, hi. And she's just like, okay, well, bye. (laughs) It's a very Charlie Brown moment for Harry. Yeah, and Harry's just like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. And Neville's just, I'm so sorry. And Ginny's like, never mind. Don't worry about it. And just... Pulls out her wand and casts Scourgeify to vanish all of the stink sap. But the damage was done. The damage is definitely already done. That's an image that Cho will not be able to forget for a while. No. And Harry will probably never forget. That's going to get added to his nightmares, probably. Oh, definitely. He's going to be wandering down dark corridors, ending in locked doors, covered in stink sap, while Cho Chang laughs at him with her female friends. While Voldemort in a three-piece suit just pokes at a mimbulous mimbletonia pokes at harry who looks like a mimbulous mimbletonia <laughs> and then harry's spewing out stink sap all over cho chang and oh, oh giggity <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're calling it nowadays and here is our sneak peek <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's the end of the book chapter well oh, yeah. this half of the book chapter i, was gonna say, I yeah. should say because obviously there's still more And even though we did have corresponding film scenes, if you want to call them that, we didn't have any new actors. It was all the same people. Yep. So we are just going to roll right into the Potter pondering, Mm -hmm. which we decided is going to be, what do you think the purpose of the kids traveling separately Mm -hmm. to King's Cross Station was for in Order of the Phoenix? And do you think it was actually necessary? Because we're leaning towards no, but maybe you guys are understanding something about it that we aren't. Yes. So find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Let us know what you think that was for. Mm-hmm. You could also call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. And don't forget, you can also stitch a response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them and seeing them mm-hmm. this will bring us to our sorting hat story which is from amanda nace she writes i am a gryffindor after round two of taking the test i took it many years ago and could not remember my login so i had to create a new account i know i was ravenclaw before which i think fits my personality more but i'll take gryffindor too my patronus is a swift my wand is hazel wood with a dragon heartstring core, 12 and a half inches, and a reasonably supple flexibility. I was never a reader. My middle sister was. So when the books came out, she had to have them. As the movies eventually came out, she asked that I take her to the movies to see Harry Potter. I, of course, wanted to read the books first before seeing the movies, so I borrowed them from her, and our bond of Harry Potter began. As I started to love and know the series, my youngest sister became involved, too. We are three sisters that do not particularly get along, but put us in front of Harry Potter and we can talk for hours. I appreciate the bond the series has brought to my family and many others growing up. 
It is amazing how it can bond you together. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's the best. Thank you so much for sharing your sorting hat story with us, Amanda. Yes, thank you. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your sorting hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media. Mm-hmm. This week's trivia question is, who thinks Sirius Black is actually an alias for the lead singer of the Hobgoblin, Stubby Boardman? The first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word hashtag innocent singing sensation will get a sticker. <laughs> Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. Make sure to check out our website at justkeeprolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the second half of Chapter 10, Luna Lovegood, and the only somewhat corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just just keep keep rolling. rolling.